Welcome to the Old Head Otaku. My name is Kwame B. They put you on game. Hello and welcome back to the Old Head Otaku. I'm your host, Kwame B. Back at it again with some more Jujutsu Kaisen content for your asses. Uh, last episode, I would gave you guys a quick overview and a little introduction to Gege Akatami, the mastermind and architect of this wonderfully dark series. Uh, in this episode, I want to talk about one of the many aspects and probably the biggest aspect of the series that keeps me coming back for more. The Cursed Energy Power System. Jujutsu Sorcery, as it's called in the world of Jujutsu Sorcery or Jujutsu Kaisen. Oops, my bad. Anyway. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of like really complex power systems. I can't help but like, and it's it's something that's really kind of grown on me over the years, uh, especially after getting into Hunter Hunter a little bit later in life. Uh, I remember watching Hunter Hunter, at least the very least watching the clips from the 1999 version of that series, specifically the fight with uh, Gon and Hisoka, and not really understanding what was happening but loving it and then it took me a few more years afterwards to finally start reading and watching it probably right around the time the 2011 anime is when i started really getting into it and i was in college uh and as time went on i binge watched the entire series and i just came to love nin and if you know anything about you uh about hunter hunter nin is a wonderfully complex power system with give and pull and i think the thing about it that a good power system for me is one that allows its user to use their abilities to the most optimum levels based solely on their personality and the things that make them who they are being reflected in their power system. Uh, so even something like a stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as well. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is another series with a wildly complex and weird power system. And Jujutsu Kaisen just keeps scratching that itch for me. So... You might be wondering, after that short little rant, what is Jujutsu Sorcery? What is Cursed Energy? And that's what I'm here to talk to you about on today's episode of Ohe Otaku. So, again, I reiterate, what is Cursed Energy? Simply put, Cursed Energy is the manifestation of all of humanity's negative emotions. Grief, rage, envy, malice... All these emotions fuel the flow of cursed energy in the world. Cursed energy, when in high amounts inside of a human being, allows humans to see what are called curses. This, however, is an incredibly rare trait that, ex that appears in people. Um, it is said, though, that cursed energy exists throughout the world. Japan, for some reason, seems to be a superpower behind it when it comes to the abundance of cursed energy and also contributing to the most jujitsu users in the world. With the ever-flowing tide of cursed energy, beings known as cursed spirits manifest into the world. Think of curse, uh, curses as demons or monsters of lore. Uh, even the series going so far as to introduce examples of very popular pop culture and urban legends manifesting through curses. So, for example, Kuchisaki Ono, if you know what that is, in very popular Japanese... Uh, urban legend the slit mouth woman uh go ahead and google that i'm not going into great details about her but she is a very legendary urban legend that is a character who actually shows up in jujutsu kaisen as a curse um curses can range from grades 
for the special grade. And the special grade is like the tippy top of what a curse can be. Uh, the first special grades we meet in the series are actually like embodiments of nature, uh, fire, water, and just general flora and fauna being manifested into curses. Uh, the ones who stand between human, the human world and the danger of these manifestations are human beings whose understanding and connection goes beyond simply being able to sense and see curses and curse energy, but manipulating it and weaponizing it. These are those jujitsu sorcerers that I mentioned last episode. Uh, the origins of those who can manipulate cursed energy is a mysterious one. Uh, the height of their power being that the golden age of sorcery is the high end period, which is actually a real time period in Japan, which I might go into detail in like a bonus episode about the high end period and how it reflects in the series, uh, seeing as like real historical figures from Japanese history are actually mentioned in this series to be great curses. Um, one of the bigger ones being Ryuman Sukuna, who is the the demon inside of the main character Yuji, who I'll talk about later on as well. Um, and they're just known for their Ryuman Sukuna specifically was known for his like pure destructive powers. Uh, the fundamental difference between a jujitsu sorcerer and a regular human is the flow of cursed energy from within them where uh, normal human beings have no knowledge of its existence, thus no awareness of how to control it, cursed energy flows from non-humans, from non-sorcerers. So for regular people, anytime we feel angry or sadness, the cursed energy kind of just wildly flows from us. Jiu-Jitsu sorcerers, on the other hand, because they have such a understanding and control of it, it keeps from seeping from them. And because it doesn't seep from them, they don't actually contribute to the propagation and creation of curses. However, the flip side of that is if a cursed sorcerer dies, if their anger and emotions are high enough, they can come back as a curse themselves, making it necessary for when a cursed sorcerer dying to be killed with cursed energy or a cursed object of some sort. Um, but moving forward, we're going to talk about some cursed techniques and the basic uses of cursed sorcery in cursed energy in the series. Uh, with cursed energy comes the creation of what are known as curse techniques. Curse techniques can be classified in different ways, from innate curses to simple domains. Uh, something I'll go into in a little bit later, but they're all encompassing techniques. Uh, an innate curse technique, or a shotoku jujitsu shiki, are unique curse techniques that manifest within an individual or a clan that is intrinsic to that person, engraved into their, into their being and usually awaken around the age of five or six. Innate curse techniques that are inherited through bloodlines are referred to as inherited techniques. There are three big families in the series, the Gojo, the Kamo, and the Zenin clan, all of them quite famous for their incredibly powerful techniques. A few examples of innate techniques in the series are uh, Aoi Toto's Boogie Woogie, which allows him to switch any spot with any being or object with cursed energy by simply clapping his hands or Nobora Kurosaki's straw doll technique um, which allows her to you using a straw doll effigy uh, and a, a nail imbued with cursed energy allows her to basically use what would be a voodoo doll kind of effect where if she gets a piece of your clothing or a piece of your hair or a body part depending on what it is allows her to cause damage to that piece that, that that piece she's gathered from you with a doll and that cursed nail to resonate uh, uh, damage to you from afar. It's a really cool technique. Um, 
by these own use by the user's own will and understanding of their curse technique. They come to completely understand the usage of an innate technique, which is why it's an innate technique. <laughs> uh, as before mentioned, there are three big families. The Gojo is probably the Gojo clan is probably the like the tippy top of power within Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, they have two techniques, the six eyes and limitless techniques, all users becoming basically nearly omnipotent in their mastery of curse techniques and curse energy. Uh, the six eyes, though mostly mysterious, have been theorized to be tied to the limitless ability. Uh, this allows a Gojo clan member to possess that possesses them to keep themselves from wasting or even running out of curse energy. Uh, the Kamo clan is known for blood manipulation, being able to fire blood and concentrated bursts of uh, bursts like arrows, create weapons out of them. And I think the coolest application of it is actually being able to uh, over oxygenate their blood, thus creating more uh, blood flow inside of them, making them more powerful and a lot more faster and basically augmenting all their physical abilities. It's really cool. Um, and then finally, we have the Zenin clan. A clan in the series who spends a good amount of their time flushing out. The series probably spends the most time with the Zenin clan and how their, you know, presence in the world of Jujutsu Kaisen is. Uh, known for their for their pride and their curse techniques, they are also a clan I think reflect power, whose powers reflect the power of negativity can bring to these abilities. They're vain, toxically prideful. The clan boasts an admittedly powerful abilities in the Ten Shadows technique, a.k.a. the Tokosu, the tokosu no Kage Bujitsu and Projection Sorcery. Uh, the Ten Shadow technique gives the user access to Ten Shikigami, brought forth through their shadow of the user. These Shikigami range from the Divine Dogs, Twin Wolves, Spirits, to Nue, a large bird-like creature with the ability to generate powerful lightning attacks. Uh, the most notable and only user we've seen in the series with the Ten Shadow Technique is Megumi Fushigoro, noted by Sukuna for being an interesting and powerful user of the Ten Shadows Technique, based on the fact that he likes mixing the summoning of his technique of his of his Shigami as well as fighting alongside of them, which is not something that uh, Ten Shadows users were usually known for doing. They're usually known for summoning their shadows and having them fight, but Megumi is all about the smoke and the hands and truly a wonderful character to watch fight just because of how he blends the what would be the long distance fighting style of his shadows along with his own personal uh fantastic innate combat abilities um i'll go into greater de detail about that in a future episode focusing on megumi but to wrap it up this is just one of the techniques the Zenin clans put value in. Unfortunately for Megumi, uh, wants nothing to do with his fellow clansmen. Uh, the second technique the Zenin clan possesses uh, is the projection sorcery technique, predominantly used by Naobito and Naoya Zenin. The projection magic is one of those wildly specific but undeniably powerful abilities we see in the series. Using a uh, method seen in film and animation, the user's projection sorcery can create a predetermined path of movement through 24 frames per second. That sounds complicated, and it is, <laughs> but in motion, it's an incredibly powerful technique. As the user creates more frames, they can reach speeds of like subsonic to like supersonic speed. 
uh, adding to their physical power as well as using functions of their own techniques to trap their opponents in a single frame of time. Uh, as when a person who is touched by one of the uses of this technique, because there is a, pre a predetermined motion they have to go through, and because they're not a member of the Zenin clan, if Naobito or Naoya touches their opponent, if they're unable to work through that predetermined uh, path that they've laid out in those 24 frames, that person is usually stuck in a single frame, thus giving them an ample opportunity to counterattack by being smashed through this frame by the users of the projection magic. Um, as the cruiser uses more frames, they can reach... Oh, I already said that. I'm sorry, I got lost in my script, but oh, right, we're going to keep going through this, but... uh. A predetermined path the user uses uh, now assigned to them. And if they can't move from that path, like I just said, they get frozen in time. Uh, outside of these families' techniques, the gamut of curse techniques is so diverse across the board and usually a good reflection of the user. Uh, like I said, with Nabora's straw doll technique to the mysterious corpse curse known as Panda, the creation of JJ High, a uh, creation of the JJ High's principle. Misimichi, uh, Masamichi Yaga, the curse technique, and by extension, the whole system scratches an inch, like I said, that I haven't had really scratched since Hunter x Hunter or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, the last thing I want to bring up is what are probably the pinnacle of a curse technique, which is the domain expansion and the maximum techniques. Uh, a domain expansion are the advanced barrier techniques, uh, another use of curse technique. Uh, a curse, another use of curse energy that uh, manifests curse universe, curse users' innate domain. An innate domain being a manifestation of a user's thoughts being shaped by curse energy. Uh, a domain expansion can come in two flavors. The first one is familiar. The first one that, if you watch a show, you're probably familiar with, is a subspace being completely in the control of the user. These are incredibly difficult to create given the immense skill and curse energy required to create it. But to the sorcerer able to create one, the sky is the limit in terms of power. With a domain expansion amplifying every aspect of that sorcerer's ability. The second type of domain expansion, and the one recently learned about through the Battle of Yuji and a recently introduced character, Hirumi Higuruma, Higurumo. It is revealed that in the golden age of curse energy and curse sorcery, domain expansions were far more common. And that was because instead of going for a guaranteed hit kill condition within the realm of their domain, they instead focused on forcing those captured, focusing on those captured by the technique to obey certain rules within the domain unquestioned. In the case of Higurumo, uh, his experience as a lawyer made him shape his domain to a courtroom scenario making it with making it the opponent within the curse technique have to tell the truth about the crime they commit within these conditions if a defendant lies they are subject to having their curse technique taken away from them and though he is not guaranteed a kill there is and even though he doesn't have a guaranteed kill condition he does have access to an instant kill move called the sword of judgment that can be used once the defendant fails to convince their crimes. Personally, I like the second use of the domain expansion more than the first. Because like I said, with the domain expansion, when we first see it in the series, it is pretty much said that if you get stuck in one, 
if a person's able to use a domain expansion, it probably means they have a guaranteed hit condition, which if you're stuck in there, you're gonna die, essentially. I kind of like the second one more because it gives the user not just the amplified buff of having their trust technique just automatically increased in power, but they also have the ability to be a bit more flexible about what they can do in it. The fact that Higurumo has the ability to force a person to go into a court situation, have them tell the truth or a lie, if they lie a certain amount of times, giving him access to a weapon that, even though it's not a guaranteed hit, if he's able to strike them, it will be a guaranteed kill. And he's an incredibly skilled fighter, so it's not even like a tough thing for him to do. He can just, you know, he, at one point when he's fighting Yuji, he almost hits Yuji with it. It's only because of his own personal uh, need to c uh, condone himself for his actions does he turn off his technique and not hit Yuji with said instant kill move. Uh, like I said, uh, as for our guaranteed hit and kill domain, I would love to talk about the two that come to mind. One being the one being the absolute most terrifying use of a supreme technique, and one that once completely might end up rivaling the vastness and power uh, of the former. Those are the domains of Ryomen Sukuna and Megumi Fushigoro. Now, the domain of Sukuna is terrifying in its own uniqueness amongst the techniques and its sheer devastation. Malevolent Shrine, aka Fukumo Mizushi, Fukumo Mizushi. Sorry about stumbling over my words there. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the other domain expansions I've spoken about so far, Malevolent Shrine is what I would consider the pure refinement of the curse technique, a mastery of curse energy. With this domain, Sukuna, by some unknown method, instead of creating a subspace he controls, uh, as the manga puts it, is able to paint his domain on top of the real world. By giving an escape route of, to those within it, a 200, meteor, a 200 meter radius of the manifestation, his domain affects the real world and expands his cleave and dismantle techniques. Uh, I think with cleave... Oh, I'll, I'll explain uh, curse technique. Cleave targets anything with curse energy and dismantle cuts down anything inanimate within the range of his attack. Uh, with these techniques, Sukuna obliterated nearly all of Shibuya, killing every person within moments of its activation. Sukuna demonstrates what I think is the future of Megumi's own incomplete domain expansion, Chimera Shadow Garden. Again, I have an episode of Fushiguro coming in the near future, but to quickly talk about his domain expansion, its potential. As of now, Megumi is still sussing out the true mechanics of how it works. When he first uses him, when he first sees him, yeah, sorry, but stumbling over my words there. When we first see him use this technique, uh, it's kind of a hail mary desperation move. Uh, but once he manifests it, his shadow rushes uh, like a rushes from him like a force of a flood, uh, giving Megumi an advanced control over his Shikigami and his own physical being, being able to summon multiple copies of his Shikigami as we see him summon many Nue at once to bombard his opponent with lightning, as well as allowing Megumi to what it looks like become truly part of his shadow and negate deadly attacks by slipping in and out of his shadows. We later see him slightly more refined version of this 
in a fight with Reggie Star, a character we learn about far more. And it's way more spoilers. So I'll talk about those in some bonus episodes I plan to make. Um, uh, by now conjuring a single vertebrae sprouting roots from it, this version shows a bit more mastery over the shadows. Even being able to pull his opponent into a fluid shadow, effectively drowning them in darkness. And the way that Reddy describes it is like a pressure on him and, and like feeling like he's drowning infinitely. It's, he, he, it's not like it's like water, but thicker. It's basically being trapped inside of a shadow, whatever that actually feels like, because, you know, in the real world, shadow is just a 2D image. But, you know, that's why it's one of my favorite techniques. I love shadow techniques. Shouts out to Shikamaru from Naruto. <laughs> uh, the reason I wanted to talk about Sukuna's Malevolent Shrine and Megumi's Chimera Shadow Garden was I feel like a key to Megumi finally mastering his technique is forging the need, is forgetting the need for a barrier in the same way that Sukuna summons his domain in the real world. I think Megumi will at some point realize that he, through though he has poor barrier creating skills, which is why he's had such an issue creating a proper domain expansion is because he can't quite figure out how to create a barrier around himself. Uh, it just might mean that he might have to let his shadow overflow, truly letting his ability run wild, giving some sort of uh, a escape clause. This might be the key to making Fushiguro's domain one of the most terrifying domains in the series. And to expand on that, what I mean is when he summons his Chimera Shadow Gun the first time, it does kind of just rush out. His shadow just kind of rushes out like a raging river. And he's only able to contain it because he's already in another opponent's domain. Now the curse he's fighting isn't like a real powerful, real smart creature. So it doesn't really create a good domain expansion, but he is inside of a barrier. So it allows him to contain his shadow. The second time he does it, he uses an actual building to contain his technique. And when he does that, he says that he, it's again, cause he's having a hard time figuring out the shape of his barrier. I think like with, Sukuna, instead of having to create a barrier, I, I imagine he'll get to a point where he's like, fuck it. This is how much of a shadow I can create. And he just creates like a river of shadows. And he's like, you can get to high ground as long as you're on high ground or not directly in his shadow. You can probably escape. But I imagine that it would be very hard to escape the moment he activated that ability. I'm really excited to see what Fushiguro does in the future. Yeah, if you're caught up on the manga, Fushiguro's last fight showed how much of an absolute menace he's become in this series. And I can't wait to get to his episode. Um, but besides domain expansions, we have the maximum technique. I won't spend too much time on this topic, seeing as there are really only a few examples. But simply put, a maximum techniques are the most powerful curse technique uh, one can be one can bring to the table outside of the domain expansion. I would say it's the comparable to a full gauge special in a fighting game. Uh, it will use up a lot of curse energy, but it will be a devastating attack. Uh, examples probably being probably the one that we get the most explanation for, which is Suguru Geto's Maximum Uzumaki, a technique when Geto combines the collective curse energy and curse spirits he's collected over the years because Suguru Geto's ability is that he can eat and control curses that he's devoured. Once he collects all that uh, collected curses together, he fires that curse energy in a concentrated blast of devastating curse energy. The drawback being that 
he spends most of his curses up when he uses this and he has to collect more over time to create that kind of same power another one we see later on in the series is maximum meteor uh jogos who is the fire special grade spirit uh in the series uh allows him to pretty much just summon a giant meteor out of nothing uh and it is a crazy technique. There's one more we see from a character named Esso, one of the Death Wound paintings who shows up at the end of season one in I think like chapter like twenty something in the manga. Uh, his uh, death, his his maximum technique is called Wing King, a technique that allows his toxic blood to make contact with an enemy. It, it makes contact with an enemy's skin or flesh, and slowly but surely decays and poisons them over time. It is those those are pretty much the only maximum techniques we see and again they are really powerful and cool techniques but we haven't seen a ton of them and I, I feel like as cool as they are they are kind of a flash in a pot kind of thing and if you use it up and it doesn't destroy your opponent you're kind of ass you're kind of shit out of luck uh i think the domain expansion is probably the best use of it of your curse energy at that point but Enough of those cursed techniques. Now we're going to talk about something that I find to be the most fascinating part of the series as far as cursed energy goes. Because this has nothing to do with cursed energy. It's the opposite, quite frankly. And that is the heavenly restriction to take it all away. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of cursed energy and techniques is a bizarrely contradictory one but adds a wholly fascinating layer to the world of JJK and one that I believe is substantial amount of foreshadowing for the end game of the series. That is the heavenly restriction. The heavenly restriction is a type of curse put on a sorcerer at birth In doing so training something like in case of uh, Kichi Moda, AKA Mekamaru from the Kyoto Jujutsu High and exchange it for the advanced uh, curse technique, um, curse energy manipulation. He allows him to uh, expand his curse energy to a wide range and allows him to use his mech dolls as a vast distance. His body, however, was born with extraordinarily fragile. By his own admission, his skin is so sensitive that moonlight can cause it to burn. Kakechi is an example of getting the short side of the stick in terms of gaining more power through restriction sacrificing his freedom against his will for more proficient usage of cursed energy. But with this, we look at what happens when instead of sacrificing your physical for more metaphysical power, what happens when you sacrifice the metaphysical for more physical power and bringing your cursed energy amount to zero? Like I mentioned, this is where those contradictions come to full head. With the introduction of Toji Fushigoro, uh, a man who is an anomaly in the world of JJK. With absolutely no cursed energy, the heavenly restriction exchanged cursed energy for unparalleled power. A human body comparable to that to a demon, pushing the body to its peak. So much so that five senses alone, Toji can see spirits and can use any cursed weapon with deadly efficiency. With Toji and later on Maki, a character who is very similar in Toji's, uh, uh, who's very similar to Toji in terms of his zero amount of curse energy, Maki, when we first meet her, doesn't have zero curse energy. She has a very, 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 very finite amount. So much so that doesn't really allow her to even see curses, but it gives her 
because she has the heavenly restric- restriction, she still gains that like physical prowess, but not to the full potential she could possibly have. Uh, we see that maybe someone like the elusive Yuki Tsukimo has been alluding to that the future of the world and the way to change things is to remove the uses of cursed energy from the sorcerer world. Even characters like Yuji, who, though has cursed energy, is massively more impressive in terms of pure physical attributes. Being able to go toe-to-toe with special grade curses using only the basics, yet refined cursed energy manipulation and his own physical prowess. So, to wrap things up, all in all, the world of JJK has a power system at its center of it that has become one of my favorites all in all of all manga and anime sitting comfortably atop with nin from hunter hunter and stands from jojo's bizarre thing being a wonderfully complex power system one that seems simple on paper but incredibly intricate in the grand scheme of this series uh granted when i started writing the script in these notes uh the culling game had just started and it was a lot of setup we had seen a few interesting techniques there's kirara a character who i might actually talk about them later on and by extension giga katami's relationship with gender in the series but a character who has a very very complex uh curse technique involving a star constellation and marking her opponents with markings that allow them to approach it's a whole thing to who is now probably like the king shit in my opinion of the series shinji uh kenji hikari not shinji that's evangelion but kenji hikari who has such a wonderfully bizarre curse technique revolving around pachinko that i have i've just come to love he reminds me a lot of knuckle from hunter hunter a guy who has a technique that when he sits down and explains it it's way complicated, but if you really stop and just take all the nuances of credit off of it, it's really just, you know, a very simple technique on paper. It it it, it get it curse technique has, has just genuinely jumped up in my opinion as one of the coolest power systems in all of anime, honestly. Uh but yeah. Anyway, this is about the end of the episode. And next episode, hopefully I'll have a guess. The next episode I have planned to do is to talk about who has become one of my favorite MCs in any series currently. Yuji Itadori is the subject of my next episode. Um, thank you guys so much for coming with me along on this little journey. I'm, I'm starting this series out. Sorry if it's a bit rough. I'm trying to figure out my, my uh, format and how I want to approach this. I just really want to talk about the series and later on, I want to talk about other cool things, but, uh, Hang out with me as I keep deep diving into this wonderful, wonderful show and manga, Jujutsu Kaisen. And uh, yeah, once again, I'm your old head otaku, a.k.a. Kwame B. Godspeed and have a good night.